0: Good morning, friends. I love this time of the week when we gather here together. Students, faculty, staff, administrators. It reminds us, right? We're all the same at the foot of the cross without distinction. And I've loved the chapels this year where we have been looking again at great, old, familiar texts of the Bible. And today is one of the most familiar. Psalm 23. I can't read this text without being drawn in my memory to two places and times in my life. The first is Indonesian Borneo, where my husband and I worked as missionaries and where we raised four children in a simple home in an equatorial village near the rainforest. In many ways, for them, it was a sun-filled, barefoot, completely unstructured childhood. And they needed us, their parents, to be the source of their early childhood education and their Christian education. And so Sunday School for them consisted of the four little kids and me as their teacher. And the first passage I taught them was the first I myself had learned as a Sunday School child. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I still hear their little preschool voices singing it out. The second location is a hospital room where my dad passed away. We had rushed to his side, heartbroken, grieving, didn't even have a Bible with us. But we knew the words we had memorized by heart from childhood. And those were the words that gave us comfort. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Interesting, don't you think, that this passage is the one that is most often used for little children at the beginning of life, and then again at the close of life. But here we are today in the in-between, God willing, of those times, And so I have been sitting with this text and I invite us to ponder it again anew for this season in our lives with fresh eyes. For in here is more, so much more, than bucolic pastoral images of green pastures and still waters. There is indeed great consolation in this text for times of trouble, but we need to read it for more than consolation. So today, I invite us just to shift our location a bit and see it not only as the go-to text in trouble, but as a text that can guide us today as we strive to be shepherd leaders, each in the places that God has led us to. There is so much rich wisdom in this text for spiritual leadership. For shepherd leadership, rich wisdom to guide us as God's missional people, called to engage this world with the gospel. Much of the wisdom is completely countercultural, and much of it is absolutely counter to our own human dispositions and proclivities. But we can call it leadership lessons from the sheepfold. Four qualities I want to draw our minds to today of the good shepherd. Four qualities of the shepherd that we can set as our own benchmarks for how we're growing in our capacity to be shepherd leaders. They are these. Care, courage, generosity, confidence. The first, this beautiful image of tender care. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. When we read this passage, this beautiful, beautiful passage of the tenderness of God in the context of the entire Psalter, it actually strikes us, don't you think, that this one and same God who's the tender nurturer is also portrayed very close to it in all kinds of the Psalms as mighty and great, omnipotent, the Lord of the universe, high and lifted up. And yet here beside it is this picture of the Good Shepherd cradling lambs in his arms, leading to places of nourishment, rest, and relaxation. It's a great paradox, don't you think, this mystery? That great strength and great tenderness interwoven together. In our own culture, we so often think of them as mutually exclusive terms we so often get it wrong. But as we want to grow in Christlikeness, as we want to grow as shepherd leaders, we too have somehow got to hold these things together. Strength and deep, deep tenderness. This is a bit of a radical thought. I actually think it's easier to be a strong leader than a caring one. The shepherd's care of the sheep is completely other-focused, not self-focused. The flourishing of the sheep is the shepherd's absolute primary concern. The shepherd's own needs are secondary. This is hard stuff. The shepherd and the sheep don't have a 50-50 mutual relationship. The needs of the sheep for nurturance, for rest, for care, for restoration, are the absolute primary goal of the shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And do note this, the shepherd's tender care is not passive fluffy. (laughs) Here are the verbs in this this, uh, verse. The tender shepherd leads by still waters, makes me lie down, he restores, he leads in right paths. Many times I hear students talk about, well, I'm not really into leadership, but I'm more into ministries of compassion. Know this, for those of you who think that ministries of compassion do not require leadership, the verbs in those verses. The quality, the mark of the shepherd leader is one who cares, cares deeply. I remember a student in another life, another time, not here. One of the brightest students I had ever taught. Smart, straight A's, top grades, competent, energetic, an absolutely fabulous teacher a preacher, a way with words that was brilliant. If you met him, he'd be one of those people that others would describe as brimming with leadership potential. A year into his first pastorate, he came back to visit me. And he was discouraged and utterly frustrated with the people in his congregation who didn't get it who weren't with him, who didn't see his vision, and on and on. And I knew he was floundering. I said this to him, do you care tenderly for your congregation, for those people? And that was the start of a long conversation. I'm so convinced of this. You cannot be a shepherd leader, to lead people for whom you do not care deeply with everything in you. The second quality, courage. Shepherding is not for cowards. Again, I say that sometimes we have this mental picture of shepherds sitting around in the great outdoors, loving God's creation. But I read an account years ago called A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. It was a real live shepherd, and from it I learned that shepherding is not for cowards. Shepherds protect. They are alert to danger. They face fearful situations. They fight off treacherous predators. They keep watch by night. They lead their sheep across wild terrain, hills and valleys, even the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Buried here in this verse is another fundamental lesson, I think, for being a shepherd leader and it is courage. And for me, my little definition, courage is changing our what-ifs to even-ifs. What will trip us up more and over and over again as we try to be shepherd leaders if we allow ourselves to engage in what-if thinking? What if I utterly fail? What if the diagnosis is devastating? What if I lose him? What if I lose her? What if things go utterly wrong? What if, what if the world crashes around me? Is there a what if in your life right now? Something you're worried about? What if this happens? Courage means changing our what ifs to even if even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even if the thing that I am right now so afraid is gonna happen, happens. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Note this, it doesn't say I will not fear, right? We can still fear, but I will not fear that evil, will have the last say. Of that, we can be confident. So what is the mark of the shepherd leader? Courage to walk into the unknown, courage to walk in the night when we can't see where we're going, courage to walk unflinchingly into places of suffering. You just walk right into it, walk into messy, difficult, conflicted situations, conversations that you absolutely wish you could avoid, but you walk in, walk in with courage, knowing that God the shepherd is there. To walk in the valley of the shadow of death, that's where most people in this world do not want to walk. But when we're shepherd leaders, courage, I will fear no evil. Shepherd leadership, as I have to keep reminding myself, is no place for the risk averse. We do not walk alone. Third, extravagant generosity. You prepare a table before me, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. The shepherd not only provides, but provides extravagantly, spreading a table, anointing with oil, cups overflowing all around the table. And even as we have freely received such just extravagant generosity, so we must freely give. Extravagant generosity is the mark of the servant shepherd leader. And I'm speaking not just of generosity of our temporal resources, but a disposition, a generosity of spirit. Do you know, I think that the biggest, one of the biggest impediments to shepherd leadership is a kind of cautious, calculated, stinginess. <laughs> I call it a scarcity mentality. And some of it's understandable, right? Most of us that have worked in ministry or anticipate it know that this is a life that is often about scarce resources and competition for those resources. It's often a life where we often see ourselves as lacking, see ourselves personally as lacking in skill or knowledge or ability or a long list of our personal deficits. And we can often see our churches and our ministries, even a place like Tyndale, as lacking personnel and resources and money and time and the things we need. But this, my friends, is a trap of the enemy. I actually love the TNIV translation that Karina read. The Lord is my shepherd. Say this to yourselves. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. Say it over and over again. Again, my Indonesian brothers and sisters taught me that scarcity scarce resources, is absolutely no excuse for generosity of spirit. Shepherd leadership is not minimalist. From our overflowing cups, we must learn to be extravagant, not stingy, not hoarding, extravagant in our blessing of others, in our care and support for others. This is the mark of a shepherd leader. And finally, unwavering confidence. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love this powerful opening in English. Surely. Absolute certainty. Absolute unwavering confidence. Timidity, timidity. Self-doubt are among the biggest hindrances to following God and serving him as a shepherd leader. Be sure of this, though, that the confidence we need to lead is not a confidence in our own adequacy. Oh my goodness, if that were the case, where would we be? It is absolute, unwavering sureness, confidence, that god's mercy and goodness will follow i actually like that image too it's like following 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 you can't get away following everywhere you go goodness and mercy following me all the days of my life and when all is said and done absolute confidence that we will dwell in the house of the lord forever care, courage, generosity, confidence. These are the marks of a shepherd leader. These are the goals, the qualities, that we need to ask God to help us grow by his grace and embody. May it be said of us. For our benediction, I read to you from Genesis 48:15 these words of Jacob his final blessing to Joseph let us pray may the god before whom my fathers walked faithfully the god who has been my shepherd all my life to this day may he bless you amen